Section 1 of Letters to Dead Authors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brian Mansey. Letters to Dead Authors. Andrew Lang. Preface. Sixteen of these letters, which were written at the suggestion of the editor of the St. James's Gazette, appeared in that journal, from which they are now reprinted by the editor's kind permission. They have been somewhat amended, and a few additions have been made. The letters to Horace, Byron, Isaac Walton, Chapelain, Ronsard, and Theocritus have not been published before. The gem published for the first time on the title page is a red cornelian in the British Museum, probably Greco-Roman, and treated in an archaistic style. It represents Hermes Psychogogus with a soul, and has some likeness to the baptism of our Lord, as usually shown in art. Perhaps it may be post-Christian. The gem was selected by Mr. A. S. Murray. It is, perhaps, superfluous to add that some of the letters are written rather to suit the correspondent than to express the writer's own taste or opinions. The epistle to Lord Byron especially is writ in a manner which is my aversion. Section 1 to W. M. Thackeray Sir, there are many things that stand in the way of the critic when he has a mind to praise the living. He may dread the charge of writing rather to vex a rival than to exalt the subject of his applause. He shuns the appearance of seeking the favour of the famous and would not willingly be regarded as one of the many parasites who now advertise each movement and action of contemporary genius. Such and such men of letters are passing their summer holidays in the Val d'Auster, or the Mountains of the Moon, or the Solomon Range, as it may happen. So reports our literary court circular, and all la procheurs read the tidings with enthusiasm. Lastly, if the critic be quite new to the world of letters, he may superfluously fear to vex a poet or novelist by the abundance of his eulogy. No such doubts perplex us when, with all our hearts, we would commend the departed, for they have passed almost beyond the reach even of envy, and to those pale cheeks of theirs no commendation can bring the red. You, above all others, were and remain without a rival in your many-sided excellence, and praise of you strikes at none of those who have survived your day. The increase of time only mellows your renown, and each year that passes and brings you no successor does but sharpen the keenness of our sense of loss. In what other novelist, since Scott was worn down by the burden of a forlorn endeavour, and died for honour's sake, has the world found so many of the fairest gifts combined? If we may not call you a poet, for the first of English writers of light verse did not seek that crown. Who that was less than a poet ever saw life with a glance so keen as yours, so steady and so sane? Your pathos was never cheap, your laughter never forced, your sigh was never the pulpit trick of the preacher. Your funny people, your costigans and folkers, were not mere characters of trick and catchword, were not empty comic masks. Behind each, the human heart was beating, and ever and again we were allowed to see the features of the man. Thus, fiction in your hands was not simply a profession like another, but a constant reflection of the whole surface of life, a repeated echo of its laughter and its complaint. Others have written, and not written badly, with the stolid professional regularity of the clerk at his desk. 
you like the scholar gypsy might have said that it needs heaven-sent moments for this skill there are it would not surprise you some honourable women and a few men who call you a cynic who speak of the withered world of thackeray and satire who think your eyes were ever turned to the sordid aspects of life to the mother-in-law who threatens to take away her silver bread-basket to the intriguer the sneak the termagant to the beckys and barnes newcombs and mrs mackenzies of this world the quarrel of these sentimentalists is really with life not with you they might as wisely blame monsieur buffon because there are snakes in his natural history had you not impaled certain noxious human insects you would have better pleased mr ruskin had you confined yourself to such performances you would have been more dear to the neo balzacian school in fiction you are accused of never having drawn a good woman who was not a doll but the ladies that bring this charge seldom remind us either of lady castlewood or of theo or hetty lambert the best women can pardon you becky sharp and blanche amory they find it harder to forgive you emmy sedley and helen pendennis yet what man does not know in his heart that the best women god bless them lean in their characters either to the sweet passiveness of emmy or to the sensitive and jealous affections of helen tis heaven not you that made them so and they are easily pardoned both for being a very little lower than the angels and for their gentle ambition to be painted as by guido or gersino with wings and harps and halos so ladies have occasionally seen their own faces in the glass of fancy and thus inspired have drawn romola and consuelo yet when these fair idealists madame sand and george eliot designed rosamond vincey and horace was there not a spice of malice in the portraits which we miss in your least favourable studies that the creator of colonel newcombe and of henry esmond was a snarling cynic that he who designed rachel esmond could not draw a good woman these are the chief charges all indifferent now to you who were once so sensitive that your admirers have to contend against a french critic monsieur ting also protests that you do preach too much did any author but yourself so frequently break the thread seldom a strong thread of his plot to converse with his reader and moralize his tale we also might be offended but who that loves montaigne and pascal who that likes the wise trifling of the one and can bear with the melancholy of the other but prefers your preaching to another's playing your thoughts come in like the intervention of the greek chorus as an ornament and source of fresh delight like the songs of the chorus they bid us pause a moment over the wider laws and actions of human fate and human life and we turn from your persons to yourself and again from yourself to your persons as from the odes of sophocles or aristophanes to the actions of their characters on the stage nor to my taste does the mere music and melancholy dignity of your style in these passages of meditation fall far below the highest efforts of poetry i remember that scene where clive at barnes newcombe's lecture on the poetry of the affections sees ethel who is lost to him and the past and its dear histories and youth and its hopes and passions and tones and looks forever echoing in the heart and present in the memory these no doubt poor clive saw and heard as he looked across the great gulf of time and parting and grief and beheld the woman he had loved for many years forever echoing in the heart and present in the memory 
Who has not heard these tones, and does not hear them as he turns over your books that, for so many years, have been his companions and comforters? We have been young and old. We have been sad and merry with you. We have listened to the midnight chimes with Penn and Warrington, have stood with you beside the deathbed, have mourned at that yet more awful funeral of lost love, and with you have prayed in the inmost chapel sacred to our old and immortal affections. Alial souvenir! And whenever you speak for yourself, and speak in earnest, how magical, how rare, how lonely in our literature is the beauty of your sentences. I can't express the charm of them. So you write of George Sand, so we may write of you. They seem to me like the sound of country bells, provoking I don't know what vein of music and meditation, and falling sweetly and sadly on the ear. Surely that style, so fresh, so rich, so full of surprises, that style which stamps as classical your fragments of slang, and perpetually astonishes and delights, would alone give immortality to an author, even had he little to say. But you, with your whole wide world of fops and fools, of good women and brave men, of honest absurdities and cheery adventurers, you who created the Staines and Newcombs, the Beckys and Blanches, Captain Costigan and F.B. and the Chevalier Strong, all that host of friends imperishable, you must survive with Shakespeare and Cervantes in the memory and affection of men. End of section one. Recording by Brian Mansey.